We've spent the summer talking about anothering. Because our Lord Jesus said, there's one way you will have impact. One. There's one way you will have leverage in the world. One. If you do people better than anyone else does people. Love one another. It is job one for a disciple. And I want to end this series with a very practical, tangible example of what that looks like. And so we're going to look at someone in the Bible that is probably one of the least known and yet best examples of what anothering looks like. And so open your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 1. The Apostle Paul is in Rome. He's writing from prison. And this letter is filled with emotion because he knows it's the last letter he will ever write. He writes to his son in the faith, Timothy. And every word drips with passion. Especially these, starting in verse 15 of chapter 1. You know that everyone in the province of Asia has deserted me. Including Phygelus and Hermogenes. May the Lord show mercy to the household of Onesiphorus because he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. On the contrary, when he was in Rome, he searched hard for me until he found me. May the Lord grant that he will find mercy from the Lord on that day. You know very well in how many ways he helped me in Ephesus. And my guess is, before today, most of you had never heard of Onesiphorus, the man who served refreshment. Paul had been in prison before in Rome, but the first time he was in house arrest and expected to be released, and he was. This time he's not in a house This time, he's in a dungeon. This time, the only release he expects is from the prison of his mortal body. He writes later, the time for my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished my race. And the prospect of dying for Christ did not discourage him. You know what did? The prospect of dying alone. And several times in this letter, Paul mentions being deserted. He even names two fellas, Phygelus and Hermogenes, have no idea who they are except that they've been recorded throughout history as two of the people that let Paul down. 
Paul expected to walk to his own cross. He didn't expect to walk alone. And some of you know that feeling. Some of you have had times in your life when you were in a dark place. And the people that you thought would rally around you avoided you. And so Paul did what you would do. He started making a list in his mind. He started counting the people that he knew he could count on if they could be there. The first was Timothy. Chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. I thank God whom I serve as my forefathers did with a clear conscience as night and day. I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. He knows he's about to die, but he, he writes and says, it would mean so much to me if I could see you one more time. Later in the letter, he says, do your best to get to me before winter. Because Paul didn't know if he'd make it very long. And then at the end of the letter, chapter 4, verse 19, he says, Greet Priscilla and Aquila. They were two of his dearest friends. They'd been through a lot together. If they were there, they would have showed up. And then he says, And greet the household of Onesiphorus. There's that name again. What had this little known disciple done? To make such a big impression on the well-known apostle. Well, one translation says, he often visited and encouraged me. Another says, he cheered me up many times. Or the one we read said, he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. And that word refreshed means to Cool by a breath. It was actually a medicinal word. And every mother here gets it. Because when your baby had a boo-boo, you would do this. Does that feel better? And it did. What he's saying is, this guy was a breath of fresh air. When I needed it the most. Maybe he brought food, because you know the food in a Roman dungeon wasn't very good. Maybe he brought blankets. Maybe he brought news of how the churches were doing, because Paul would have cared about that. But the most important thing that Onesiphorus brought was himself. Because the most refreshing thing to know is there's a love out there you can count on. And so he came. He came to remind Paul that he was loved, that he was significant, that his impending death was not in vain. And he came often. Now, don't make light of that because remember, Paul is about to be executed. He's been convicted of the crime of sedition and treason. And so here is this man regularly coming to visit Someone that the government in power says deserves to die for treason. Some of you are old enough to remember about the Tuskegee Airmen. Their story was made more popular recently by a movie called Red Tails. And these brave men were famous not just because they were the first African 
American military pilots, but because of their special assignment. You see, when the Allied bombers would fly over Europe, they would be accompanied by fighter pilots. And when the Nazi fighter pilots would approach, the fighter pilots would break off to go take them on, leaving the bombers exposed. And we were losing way too many bombers. And every bomber that went down took 10 or 11 young Americans with it. And so the Tuskegee Airmen were given this charge. Accompany the bombers and no matter what, don't leave them. And they didn't. And they flew hundreds of missions and only lost 25 bombers. And they became legendary. If you're going on a mission, you want the red tails with you. Because no matter how bad it gets, they will stick with you. That was Onesiphorus. We know very little about him except that he was a big deal to Paul. And what he did with little notice should make us take note. There's just two takeaways today. Here's number one. No Christian should ever go unanothered. All summer we've said the difference between the church and the world is that the world operates as an organization. And you know in organizations there are stratas of importance. Not every member in an organization is deemed equally valuable. But that's not true in an organism. In a body, every member matters. Jesus is the head of his body, the church. And he takes the ministry of refreshment seriously. In fact, to show you that, one of his last teachings is a parable about sheep and goats. And goats are separated from sheep for eternal judgment. And here's why Jesus says so. Chapter 25 of Matthew. For I was hungry. And you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. Please note their failing was not a lack of Bible knowledge. Nor was it a lack of morals. It was a lack of giving refreshment. And Jesus takes that personally. Because when you ignore the new commandment, Jesus says you break the first commandment. You cannot say you love God because you did not. Love the least when you could. Now, at this point in the sermon, we need to be careful of pointing at somebody else and wondering why they don't pay attention. Takeaway number two every Christian should be an another. Refresher. This is not a matter of being gifted. It's a matter of being obedient. 
Serving refreshment is every single disciple's assignment. Don't look to another. Be the anotherer. Because even when you have nothing to bring but yourself, you're bringing the most important gift of all. There's a proverb from the Old Testament that says, a friend loves at all time and a brother's born for adversity. That's who we're supposed to be. That's taking anothering seriously. And so last week I told you about little Alex Wells, our three-year-old from West Fort Worth campus battling leukemia. There's a teenage boy on that campus that heard about Alex. Didn't know the family, just went up to the parents and said, how can I help? And Brian Gibson has become one of Alex's best friends. He's been to the hospital to see him, been to the home. Brian has taken over 300 of these orange bracelets to Azel High School to give out to his friends so that they will pray for Alex. He's organizing a rodeo because Alex likes bull riding. And it's not because he's a part of some official ministry and he was given a job to do. He's a disciple. You see, you don't have to have a graduate degree in counseling to be a refresher. You don't have to have a big church budget, some organized ministry with a bunch of deacons in charge. But it does take something if you're always giving something. Here's what it takes. It takes unselfishness. Because the world operates on the principle. What will I get out of it in light of what I put into it? This is how the world works. You know this. Will I get more back than I put in? What's my return on my investment? This is how the world thinks. But anotherers are not of the world. They're a part of a different kingdom. They work on a different principle. Onesiphorus refreshed Paul when Paul wasn't in a position to give anything back. I remember years ago, a family was in crisis. They were up at the hospital. I contacted a man I thought was one of their good friends to let him know and suggest he go see them. He replied, I don't think so. I said, why? He said, visiting never did anything for me. I wish at that moment I had quoted Paul. Love is not self-seeking. It's why every week we take some bread and we take a cup. And we remember in the kingdom of God, it's not about me is not how we think. Because even the king didn't think that way. Or there wouldn't be a cross to remember. It takes unselfishness to be an anotherer. It takes awareness. 
Anotherers are always thinking search and rescue. Paul said when he was in Rome, he searched very hard for me until he found me. He couldn't Google Paul's name. He couldn't go on the internet and find the Roman prison registry. He'd go to one dungeon and then to another and then to another until finally he found the place where they were keeping his friend. It takes effort. It takes intention and attention to be a refresher. You come to church every week with your eyes open. You pray to God to give you sensitivity to be aware of what's going on in people around you. And you're willing to make the first move. And I'll tell you something. If you try to become a better people person, there will be a few stumbles. But I would rather receive an awkward attempt at refreshing than no attempt at all. It takes humility. I read a delightful story recently about a woman that serves in our armed forces. And she had just been back from a tour of duty in the Middle East. And to celebrate, her husband wanted to take her out on a big night on the town and suggested that she wear her military uniform. And she did. And they went to get a cab, but the patriotic taxi driver would not accept payment. They went to a nice restaurant and an anonymous person paid for their meal. They went to the theater and the manager moved them from the balcony all the way down to right in front of the orchestra. At which point the husband turned and said, now I'm still going to get credit for this date, right? (laughs) People who refresh and another. Don't worry if they're not getting credit. They rarely get nominated for the Hall of Fame. Most of you have never heard of Anonisiphorus before today. No one's ever named a son after him. But when Paul was in that dark, dank, foul, filthy, smelly hellhole. And some surly Roman guard said, you have a visitor. Do you think it mattered to Paul that his guest wasn't famous? When it hurts the most, all you care about is that somebody cares. And remember, in the upside down kingdom of God... The people that seem to be the least are actually the greatest. And finally, it takes courage. Onesiphorus knew the risk he was taking, refreshing a condemned man. In fact, did you notice that every reference to him was in the past tense? It is at least possible. That he was arrested and condemned for befriending a traitor. Serious anothering is not 
for wimps. The 1936 Olympics are famous for the four gold medals won by Jesse Owens. But you got to remember the context. They were held in Berlin. Adolf Hitler was using the Olympics as a platform to promote Aryan superiority. And the show is stolen by a young African-American. Who was nervous before the long jump because there was this tall, blonde German jumping very far in warm-ups. And Owens was having trouble hitting his mark and he had to to qualify to make the finals. When Lutz Long, the German, came over and said, why don't you put a mark a few inches before the board? Because you're so good, you can still qualify easily. And he did. And he won his second gold medal. And when he did, in front of Adolf Hitler... The first person to run over and hug him and congratulate him was Lutz Long. And Jesse Owen said he was as good a friend as I ever had. He was conscripted into the Nazi army and he died in World War II. But he's remembered as the man that stood by the man. It takes courage. To be in another room. Because one reason you refresh people in pain is you're willing to take some of their grief on yourself when you leave. I think anotherers are the bravest people in the world because cowards don't carry crosses. Most people have never heard of this guy. He's not remembered. But I think all of us would like to be remembered for the kinds of things he did. One more story. Last summer, baseball fans will remember this picture. Jim Joyce was umpiring a game where a pitcher named Andres Galarraga was pitching a perfect game. He's one out from baseball immortality when Jim Joyce blew a call at first base, called a man safe that was clearly out, and stole the young pitcher's chance for perpetual fame. It haunted him for weeks. It got huge airplay, headlines, news stories. Two weeks ago, Jim Joyce did something else that hardly anyone noticed. He's walking into the stadium with the Diamondbacks in Arizona. And a young woman collapses. Her body goes limp. She's not breathing. She's had a seizure. And the 20-year or 24-year umpire vet goes over and gives her CPR. And he's able to revive her and keep her alive until the paramedics arrive. He literally saved her life because he was literally a breath of fresh air to her. For some reason, it didn't make the headlines. It didn't get on the news stations. Jim Joyce will always be remembered for his screw-up. But at least a few people will remember him for being a breath of fresh air. Now, here's how it works in the kingdom of God. 
Jesus doesn't remember your screw-ups. None of them. Erased and forgiven. He remembers every single time you refreshed. Because he said in Matthew 25, Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did it for me. And that's all the notice and anotherer needs. Our church can have a huge impact on our city and the world if we get job one down. That we do people the way Jesus said. Please stand. We're going to give you a chance right now to receive anothering. Elders and prayer team members and ministers are going to take their places at the front so that we can pray for you, so that we can talk to you about becoming a Christian, so that we can do whatever it is you need right now to be refreshed. You come, love will hold us together.